It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the game. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Nico Riesgo. Nico, how are you? Let's call it my man. And Michael Jello. Mike, how are you? Uh, Russ, I am well. I am not optimistic about baseball, but I am well. Well, that's a big change for you because you actually were optimistic up to about a week ago. So let's, let's chat about it. Uh, the big thing that I want to talk about first is the devastation of the uh, minor leagues. Nico, you probably saw over 700 players lost jobs. Um, I really think MLB fouled this up twice, and I'll tell you why. The first go-around was, hey, they sent out that notice before the pandemic hit that, you know, this was probably going to happen, but they didn't know if it would be this year or next. So then the pandemic hits, and they go like, they're like, yeah, we're doing it this year. We're sending out the notice. Even though nobody's played, you know, that's the way it is, and we'll pay everybody through whatever, May. Then, then all of a sudden, you know, it goes through May, and some places stop paying, some teams stop paying. Uh, we hear about all these people out of work, and now we also hear that there are teams that weren't on that list that may not be able to operate when they return. And so my first question to you is, why did Major League Baseball feel like they had to act on this during the pandemic? They had to know other franchises were going to be in trouble, and now – the minor leagues are really hurting. I mean, I, I, it's never going to be the same. No, the minor leagues are devastated. They could basically, they're only going to keep, I think, the triple-A, double-A, and a single-A team, and then possibly a short season for those college kids that come out of the draft um, and to play a short summer season. Um, but, you know, when you look at the economics of the game, you could see the minor leagues um, – there are so many players in the minors. There's only 40 men protected in the union, and then every other organization has an additional 100 to 200 players that are not protected. Right. So you see those 100, 200 players. Those they've been disposable for the last, I would say, 10 years. They just have an abundance of players that are not protected, that are just there to play catch with the players that they feel that are going to be the major league players. And that's kind of harsh, Mike, because. Even though that is the reality, and Nico has always told me that's the reality, you know, it's a lot of kids' dreams. And now pretty much this year and for, I would say, you know, hundreds and maybe even thousands of kids that were thinking about baseball, uh, that dream is dead now. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a, a thinning of the hurt. I mean, the days of, I mean, we know both because of, covering hockey that, you know, in the, in the 60s during the, the original six, they had multiple minor league teams. You know, teams like mm-hmm. Toronto and Montreal had more than one uh, minor league affiliate, and then they weaned them down over the years to one in the American Hockey League and one in the ECHL. Well, baseball, I mean, the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Dodgers back in the 40s and the 50s, they had multiple uh, minor league teams. And now you've gotten to the point where, you know, they have – 
uh, you know, one in AAA, AA, single A, and a bunch of and a, a, sometimes multiple si- single A and rookie teams. And now you just see a thinning of the herd when it comes to uh, Major League Baseball. But I think it, it, at first it was Rob Manfred and, and sort of voluntarily them doing this. Now with the pandemic and everything economically that's happened after it, it, it now it's involuntary. Now you're going to have probably half the minor league teams not being able to financially start up again, and that's a disaster for baseball. So, Nico, um, yesterday four or five, six kids dropped out of the draft. They basically said, we're going back to college. One of the kids' last name is Cruz. He was going to be, I think, a top ten pick. Uh, The interesting thing is not everybody has college to go to, right? So there are some high school kids now that are going to be left wondering what to do because they haven't gotten anything from a college because maybe their grades aren't good enough, so now they might actually have to work and, and decide what they're going to do if they don't get drafted because there's only five rounds, and then maybe try out for a team. I'm sure tryouts are going to be way bigger and way, way more people in them than there used to be. Sort of like it might be, you know, sort of like when a league first first starts up. I could see the lines being as as long as that. But but then the the other the other aspect of this is for a lot of younger players that are about to go to college that were thinking about baseball, if they have a chance to play another sport, if it's basketball or football, they're not choosing baseball anymore. Oh, Russ, we're, we're on telepathy right now. We're on the same levels here. We're thinking the same thing. You took the words right out of my mouth. The future of the game is in, is in dire straits. If I was a young player um, and like said forced in this position or I don't know if I'm going to go to college, I don't want to be in this major league draft. I mean, baseball is a sport that's impossible to play anyways. The game is a game of failure. So why would players dare to even play this game when the economics are broken? Um, It's obvious the union doesn't care about you. Um, Go play football. That's my advice to my kids. That's my advice to every kid. Don't even try to play this game at this time. Um, Go play football. Go play basketball. Their sport is – is more economically um, designed to succeed, uh, and then their game is not impossible. Uh, you're a talent. You can dominate those games, and you can have success in those games. Baseball is nothing but failure. You're, nothing, you're not going to do anything but fail, but those best failures are the ones that are going to make the money, and that's not a choice that I want to put my life onto. I've done that, and it's failed, and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody else. No, that's great advice. I mean, and Mike, the – the other issue that comes out of this is now this year a lot of players are going back because they're only being offered a hundred grand, and basically baseball is like, yeah, we'll pay you the next the, the the rest of it next year. And basically these players are like, well, why am I leaving college for a hundred grand? College is worth more than a hundred grand. It's not worth it to me now. In a year, a year from now, that may change, and baseball may offer more. But the idea is, you've already lost X amount of people wanting to even play the sport, wanting to compete in the sport, everything else, by this year's decision, if they do it for more than one year, you're going to lose even more players. And then, you know, I am very curious to see what is going to happen, and and I'll ask Nico this after you, but when you have a player that, let's say, they're a junior in college, right, they come out of college, like Nico said, they're not ready to play baseball. They're going to have to have, like, a short summer season and still go through the ranks. How many of them can you have on your only three teams? Again, there eventually the teams are going to have too many prospects, 
And there are going to be kids who realize that when they're in single A and they went to college, they're done with college, and they've, they've been signed but not signed to a big contract, and all of a sudden they're starting to cut players from single A and double A. I can envision that happening in the future. Yeah, I, I think yeah, no, it's happening now. There's, there's players that are released that are awesome players. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's These possible. are double-A, triple-A talent. They're proven players. Uh, Go ahead, Mike. I think it's possible that – okay, sorry. I think it's possible that, uh, that you know, the college will be a feeder system more than it is now, uh, you know, that there's a chance that they – Adapt, but there's also a chance, you know, that more players are going to be like Kyler Murray was when he had a chance to decide between, you know, the NFL and going number one overall to the to the Cardinals or playing playing in the Oakland organization, and he chose he chose the NFL because he was going to make money more immediately than he was in baseball, and there was no guarantee he was going to make the major leagues even if he was right. a good prospect. But but I think overall. The, the the effect that this is going to have. I mean, next year it could very well be because the draft will be limited this year that it could be a bumper crop, like for example when the NHL and the WHA merged mm-hmm. that year before that year that they they did. It was an unbelievable draft. But there's also a possibility, and we've seen this over the last few years, the rate of players in of African American descent playing in major leagues has crashed dive. Right. You've seen an in, you've seen an increase in the amount of Central American, Panamanian, Venezuelan, those, yeah. you know, players from, from Central America increase. More than likely, the, the reaction of Major League Baseball is going to be to draft and, and, and uh, mine those areas more for talent. And I don't know if that's a good thing. I think that they need to have players from North America as well as internationally to, for, the, for, the, for baseball to thrive. So you're saying, and Nico, that it is a good point. I think what Mike is saying is if you have a league that's 85% Latin, right or wrong, there's going to be some Americans that don't want to watch that. Yeah, you might as well go to the Dominican Republic and just watch the Dominican Summer League. I mean, right. that's, that's what made baseball turned into, the Dominican Summer League. Um, so, yeah, when you look at um, today and um, this past week and what's happened, in our nation with the death of um, Mr. Floyd, we see um, over the years that there has been a scar in our nation towards the African-American community. And then you look at that in baseball and you see the numbers of the players coming down, you see it correlates. There is something there. There's something within the game that's a stigma towards the African-Americans. And if I was African-American, which I am, a percentage of it, I would not gravitate to to Major League Baseball. The, The game does not attract African-American players um, like it used to. It actually kind of like uh, disperses them and throws them away. Um, like uh, Kyle Murray, he said basically he's going to play football. Um, so, so the game has within itself, um, when you look at the management, there's very few minorities in management. How mm-hmm. come? There's so many players um, that have been around for so long. It's only Dusty Baker. Now we've got Dave Roberts. Um, so when you look at that, well, I think every, Ron Washington's close. I was going to say I think Ron Washington's close to getting back into if he's not already back in. Yeah, but that's not yeah. a lot. Then, like I said, so, so when you look at the numbers of when you just focus on African American, that number in the Major League Baseball has dwindled, and yes, it's been replaced by the Dominicans, 
But when you look at each organization internally, and as I reflect back, as I see, I see kind of like um, the game, how it's shunned some of the, the, the African players, ostracized the African players. So is it racism? Well, it's not blatant. It's not in your face. But is it ostracism? Yeah, because the guys on your team, the team may go out, and then you know, a couple of the black players, you know, they're left for themselves uh, to go out with themselves. So there's been an infighting in the game between the races, and it's got to end. It's got to. Okay. Let's talk about whatever this season holds, if it's going to hold anything. Uh, and I'll be honest, I... I thought it wasn't going to have. We weren't going to have a season. About it's probably a little more than a month ago, and you know some people fought me, and now it's looking worse. We always look at this, Nico, like, hey, these guys are just posturing, and you know you could see where this is going to end in the middle, and this is one side over the other side, and this is. But time is running out. Like they haven't even started the season. They're not even in spring training. And unless they're going to play through December, which they're not, and they're not going to play 50 games, they're almost out of time here. Yeah, they're almost out of time. But the good thing about baseball, as long as you play, I mean, they could play for, for one or two months, and, you know, there's going to be some excitement that they just play. Um, so if they could just get on the field, no matter how short the season is, because the season is really the playoffs. Um, what I'd like, you know, what I'd like to see as they come back, instead of having a regular season like they normally would that's cut down to like 80 games or 50 games, let's have um, dynamic tournament weekends where you've got these dynamic weekends where it's a giant tournament starting on Monday and it's a single-game elimination and every team gets eliminated down to Sunday and then you have a winner. And then so every week you have a competitive winner for what the season is going to last, the short season, 50 games, you're saying two or three months. So at the end of the two or three months in the weekly tournaments, you'll have, um, you know, a series of top teams. And then those series of top teams can play in the final, you know, elimination tournament, um, you know, for the, for the 2020 World Series. So if I like a tournament format, to me, I think that's, that's the way I think the game should be thinking in this short season playout. Well, I mean – I don't mind the idea. I will. I, I don't. I do mind the fact that it would only be 50 games. I don't think baseball should be played with 50 games. And the other thing is, I, I'm going to hate this universal DH because I don't want it forced on me as a National League fan. Because the commissioner might can say, "Oh, well, it's just a one-year thing." We know it's not a one-year thing. Like, stop lying to us. Yeah. It's it's never going away. It's never you know once it's in, it's never going out. But the thing right. the thing is, this is this is a political football between the PA and the owners right now. The 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 the, the uh, complete and utter rejection of the 114 game schedule, which was a joke in the first place, because that would mean 114 games in 120 days. You think players are over are overtaxed right now? They're clearly doing that because they want to get paid prorated for as many games as they possibly can, and then the owners came back and said, how about 50, which would be one-third of their salary. So it's like, I mean, maybe they negotiate back and forth and get to the middle, get to like 70 to 80 games or something like that, but we all know what this is. 
this is the first battle of the CBA negotiations for next year, and that's why even if they play this year, the, 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 I think that this is going down the road of a lockout or a strike next year, which is the one thing that I think baseball has avoided over the last 20-some-odd years, and it would be disastrous if they do it again, and I think they're going to do it again. Yeah, so that's another good point, Nico, and, and Mike and I were talking about this off air yesterday. So with there only being one year left after whatever this year is, if there's a this year, in the labor agreement, the players don't really have any great reason to show up next year if they don't get what they want. They literally could just decide not to play, and if they did that, there's not going to be replacement players this time. What do you, what do you think about that? Like, let's say they don't play this year, and they still don't like what the owners are saying next year because maybe next year is delayed a little, or maybe they wanted to cut salaries now because they've lost money. They don't have to show up, and they might not show up. That's scary. That's scary. Because if the players uh, don't play, we've already seen kind of what happens in 1994. We don't want a playback of the replacements and all these players who step up for the owners get uh, treated and dumped like um, like they're disposable. And 25 years later, there's not a thank you. We still haven't even gotten a thank you outside of that. No recognition, no advice to the ballpark, no throw out the first pitch, no players save the game. The game wouldn't be today here if it wasn't for those players who sacrificed in 94, but nothing. They don't care about those players who played for them. They don't care about anything. The only thing they care about is MLB and, 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 and getting revenues, and, and that's about it. Um, so it, it, it's scary. So if the players, Tony Clark, hey, they can dig in their heels. Now's the time to dig in their heels. I mean, why bring out all the stars to risk their lives with the virus? The virus hasn't cleared out. Let right. football play. Let basketball play. Let the virus clear out. Bring baseball sharp after the collective bargaining agreement is agreed. So hopefully they have this time, this whole year, to agree on something. Well, to be fair, Mike, they could have gotten a new agreement going during this whole time. They've had three months. Sure. <laughs> sure. And, like, for example, yeah. we know what that, are they doing with that we know that hot <laughs> we, we know that hockey – uh, their CBA is up after I think it's 21-22. They're negotiating a new CBA. They're they're on both on the both on the same page because they realize right. that the losses incurred from this pandemic are going to they need to be stretched out over a number of years. They're on the same page. The difference here is baseball does not have a salary cap. They don't have a 50-50 revenue share. The owners are never going to give or, you know the the players are never going to give them a salary cap. Um, so the owners are going to have to uh, re- resort to other means to be able to, to balance the books. And that's why I said there, next year, if you're a free agent, you are screwed because you're not going to get paid. They may get one or two years. You know, Mookie Betts may get paid for a year or two. He won't get paid for seven. He won't get that massive contract because the owners simply will not pay them. Yeah. So here's a tweet from, uh, from John Heyman just a little while ago, three minutes ago. Owners believe there are two to three ways to play. One, players accept or negotiate off owners sliding 82, scale 82 game proposal. Owners are willing to talk about less than a 40% pay cut offered. Two, the commissioner mandates a very shortened season, 50 or so games with a pro-rated player pay. That's it. 
Like, Nico, that is it. That is all that the owners are willing to do. And so basically they're telling you, and this is, I use this as a job thing. Like, I used to remember when I was working, Nico, and sometimes you would get to work and, and they'd look at you and they'd be like, yeah, we're going to cut you early. And it's like, well, I plan to be here the whole day. Like now all of a sudden you got me in here early. Now all of a sudden at noon you're deciding you're just going to send me home early. That screws up my whole day. Everything that I was planning on, maybe even my whole week. Well, now what they're doing with players is they're basically saying, yeah, we'll pay you a little bit so we can get to our playoff revenue, whatever that's going to be this year. But that's it. And if we don't, we don't want to have baseball. That's scary. That's scary. Owners who don't want to have baseball, and that's their business. I mean, right. they just can't figure it out. But the, uh, with, the, with my latest readings is that um, their pay scale um, offered to the players was something about like some like 1.4 billion that the owners uh, would spend for that year. And then when the players came up with their offer, uh, the owners made another proposal of 50 games now which turns out their same money allocation is $1.4 billion. So the owners are expecting only to spill $1.4 billion. That's all they're willing to spend, and they figure they can spend that within a 50-game period uh, and then make that back up in the, in the playoffs and hopefully get a return on this year, um, which is doubtful. But when you're looking at that small of money, $1.something billion, and that's what you're fighting over when there's tens of billions in the industry, um, that's that's where the um, the insanity comes in because you think right. uh, greater minds would prevail. You would think they'd say, "Hey, let's just uh, take our losses in this year." And, and like I said, the key thing is coming up with the uh, collective bargaining agreement. That's the one thing that's keeping this whole thing, I think, from from going through because they just can't agree on uh, what the future is. Right. All right. So, Mike, I see there's a guy named John Stone reminding us all that, and, and this is the baseball that I loved. 46 years ago tonight, the 10-cent beer night fiasco between the Rangers and Indians at Cleveland Stadium happened. By the ninth inning, drunk fans started to come on the field looking to harass the Texas players. The umps called the game and gave the Rangers the win by forfeit. Like, even though there's some bad things in there, that feeling of what baseball was like then is so much better than now. Don't you agree? Yeah, no, and I, I, I wish we would have Disco Destructo night again right. in Chicago and blow up, blow up five thousand bad disco records, and then they had to cancel the game because they, they, they carved a chunk out of center field. Right. Well, no, no, I think that is, I think that innocence is gone. That's 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 yeah. the thing. I think that's sad. And, you know, I mean, you talk about like the the, the big four. In, in professional sports and, and who's won and who, you know, we know football is number one now, un- unfortunately, uh, and Major League Baseball has become more regional and the NBA has become more of the, uh, I think, has catered to the, the a younger demographic and, and baseball, yep. I think, is an older demographic. So right now they may be tied, but, you know, the NBA seems to be on the ascent and, and, and fortunately with what may be coming over the next year or so, Major League Baseball is probably, it could be on the descent. If they have vision, if both sides have a vision to work together, which I don't think they have right now. I mean, clearly, obviously, the, the players don't give a crap about the playoffs in, in the monetary sense because if they propose a 114-game schedule, right. then he's playing the playoffs in, in November when there could be the spike in COVID-19 that we all, you know, a lot of people are expecting. The 54-game schedule 
probably has the playoffs starting in mid-September, and that's where the owners make their money. So obviously the players don't give a crap about the owners making their money, and the, and the owners only care about paying the players so much. There's got to be an agreement somewhere in the middle. Nick, what are you, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't think the, the owners, it's proven, they're not going to budge on this 1.4. Whatever the scale is, whatever it is, they, they've determined a number that they're willing to, to spend for this year. And the players just got to take it. I mean, they're in a position where, um, you know, they're in a vice grip. I mean, if they take it, you know, they're screwed because they've got a collective bargaining that they don't have any guarantees on the future. Um, they've got superstars that are risking their lives, that are being way underpaid because they're only going to get, like, maybe a third of what they're, what they're really supposed to make this year. Um, and it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad for the players. I mean, um, the only thing they have to do is, the only thing they can do is take it. In, until, yeah. until, like I said, their, their next round of bargaining. So I have, a, I have two more remember whens because the draft is coming up and I'm a draft guy in, in hockey and I still like the baseball draft, but to watch it is just terrifyingly awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just so boring. But anyhow, on this day in 1975, the Tigers selected Sweet Lou Whitaker in the fifth round of the draft. Now, you can't get a sweet Lou Whitaker in the fifth round anymore because that was when it was 30 rounds. Guys could get hidden. I don't think, Nico, you'll be able to find a Lou Whitaker in the fifth round anymore. Um, well, yeah. No, that, the, the, the fifth round this year, there's going to be some Lou Whitakers in that fifth round. Oh, you think so? I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, because that, that player that they would have got in the eighth round and ninth round that was a sleeper, you can't sleep on him no more. You've got to bring him up to the fifth round. You've got to get him, possibly one or three now. There's no sleepers no more. No, that's what I'm saying. I think because of a lot of guys, I think more are going to drop out before the draft, too, and we're just not hearing about it, that I don't know if there'll be a Whitaker in the fifth. I think the fifth is going to be... Oh, no, no. Whitaker will get taken. He'll come up. What I'm saying is those bad picks that they make early in the draft. Oh, there'll be less of, of them. Picks. Fewer of those. Yeah. They'll be okay. those bad picks. A lot of those picks in the draft, they don't even sign because they right. can't. They got to negotiate. They got to fight. They got to haggle. Okay. And then the players decide to go back to college for another year. Well, those 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 negotiations, those long, they're only going to draft players who they know already are probably going to sign. Now I'm with you. Okay. You're not going to wait. What's your thought? Yeah, I know. There's not going to be any more. Let's pick the scouts best friend's son in the fifth round. Right. You know, where they, they, can't, they can't throw away these picks. I think it's going you know, to be more compacted. But, see, the thing is, I, I get the feeling that the teams like the Yankees or the Dodgers who will be willing to spend the bonuses that you need to spend to get these guys signed are going to be more successful at doing that in this draft than teams. I know the Rays usually get their – pick sign because there's opportunity there to get to the major leagues quicker, but right. some of those middle-of-the-road teams, they're not going to be willing to spend that bonus money, whereas the Yankees and the Dodgers, who are made of money, might get better players in this draft because other teams pass or other teams don't think they can get them signed, and that might be the strong will get stronger and the weak will get weaker. One more. On this day in 1980, the New York Mets drafted Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry. I'll tell you what. Now, I remember that vividly. I remember hearing about him. I remember reading about it in the paper. I remember the hype. 
Darrell was a really good player. He could have been a Hall of Famer, as we know. It just didn't work out. He had a nice career, could have had a great career, maybe one of the best careers. But, Nico, the hype on Darrell Strawberry in New York, and you really had to be in New York, and you had to probably be around my age, like, you know, somewhere around 17, 15, 16, 17, to fully appreciate all the hype that was coming out with Darrell. Oh, I more than appreciate the hype with Daryl. I became the hype with Daryl. Um, Daryl was such an influence in my life and such an um, inspiration uh, that I, I evolved into, I kind of created my own persona. I, cre- I called myself the Mick Straw, and I would write that on my back, Mick Straw, <laughs> Mick Straw. I became a player, a combination of players between Mickey Mantle and Daryl Strawberry, and okay. I wanted to combine the two talents and become one. And one force, and that's who I became. So when I stepped into that box, I became the mixed straw. And um, that's how much influence he has in my life. And I love Daryl Strawberry uh, to this day. I wish he was still involved in, this, uh, in the game as a coach, as a, as a uh, manager, anything that he wants to do in this game. But he has chosen to leave this game, and there's a lot of players who have chosen to leave this game, to be outside this game. A lot of because, like I said, there's a lot of interracial uh, problems within this game. I think Daryl felt shunned. I think Daryl, when he had some problems, the game needs to come to rescue some players instead of shunning these players and then shutting them out of the game. When we, like I said, someone like Daryl Strawberry is a legend of the game. He deserves right. to be in the game to the day he dies. All right, fair enough, and we're going to leave it there. That's it for the game. We'll catch everybody next time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.